Well, last weekend, I had the chance to go visit my family up in Pittsburgh for a little family reunion. And given our gospel passage this weekend, which involves Jesus coming back home for a little family reunion of his own, I figured I'd share an experience that I had at the restaurant where we were eating dinner together, which I think somehow reveals something very important about where we are at in our culture today. There we were at that awesome Italian restaurant, waiting for our food to arrive, chit-chatting, catching up, remembering old times like families do, when all of a sudden, the table way across pretty much the other side of the restaurant struck up the happy birthday song. The happy birthday song. Everybody knows that and everybody loves that. And as it usually happens, the entire restaurant became sort of hushed. A kind of reverent acknowledgement of the solemn and familiar event taking place right there in our midst. Someone's birthday. Everyone's heads turned. Several people from other tables even started singing along themselves. They didn't even know the kid that they were celebrating. And then we all were clapping together as he blew out his candles on his cake. And afterward, of course, the restaurant just resumed its ordinary hustle and bustle. Now, I'm very glad that we helped celebrate that kid's birthday, whoever he was. That's all fine and good. I am in full agreement that we should have celebrated that. But then, then came the moment when we would attempt a meal blessing. A meal blessing. And suffice to say, the contrast was amazing. Of course, being the priest in the family and the designated religious guy... I rose from the table and politely announced that we would be saying grace and began by making the sign of the cross. But guess what? The restaurant remained loud and boisterous. The waiters and waitresses continued to loudly bring plates to the table. Nobody turned their heads. The kids kept crying. People seemed distracted and even confused at why we would be doing such a thing. To be honest, the prayer, as a result, felt rushed. It felt crammed in, like it didn't belong, perhaps even to some extent, unwelcome. And in some ways, I found it to be the case that it almost felt like I couldn't pray there. Something seemed to be preventing me, a Catholic priest, from praying. There was a strange and subtle paralysis that had suddenly set in. It was almost like what we just heard in our gospel today. Jesus was not able to perform any mighty deed there, apart from curing a few sick people by laying his hands on them. Now, how in the world is that possible? Jesus is God, and God can do anything. And yet here he is, seemingly Paralyzed. Paralyzed by what? By the people's lack of faith. In fact, the text tells us that Jesus is utterly amazed, astonished by their unbelief. 
they, quote, took offense at him. And so he wasn't able to perform very many miracles in his own hometown. Have you ever felt this sort of paralysis? Think for a moment of your own families. It is more than likely the case that most of you in the pews today, right now, people who are honestly trying to take your relationship with the Lord very seriously, probably you feel very awkward and unwelcome to share your love for the Lord who has saved you and for the faith that you live day in and day out with the people that you care about the most. Your kids, your parents, your grandparents maybe, your cousins, your extended relatives, people that you're going to go hang out with after Mass today at a 4th of July party. And I just want to say this very clearly. It's not normal. That is not normal. And we have to shed light on that. And yet, in today's world, religion is almost automatically an awkward topic, isn't it? The word God feels sort of off-limits. Atheism seems to rule our day-in and day-out operations and habits. Prayer feels like an unwelcome intrusion into the normal course of events. Of course, this experience extends well beyond our family dinner tables. I hear over and over again from good Catholic kids at our schools, kids who are coming from families who pray together and take their faith seriously on a daily basis, that they feel stupid if they let their friends know that they believe in God or that gasp they're Catholic. They feel the stares. They feel the pressure to turn away from the church. They feel the judgment and the rejection. They feel the offense. It's like what the prophet Ezekiel said in our first reading today. Hard of face and obstinate of heart are they to whom I am sending you. How can faith survive in such a hostile environment? What is the answer? What can we actually do? Well, might I suggest that we listen again to what Jesus told St. Paul in our second reading today. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. That was the Lord's response to St. Paul after he had asked that this great thorn in the flesh be removed from him. He wanted this thorn to be taken away immediately. It felt like a nuisance to him and to his work of spreading the gospel. Three times he begged the Lord to remove it, but over and over and over again, God's answer was this. No. This is for your own good. It's meant to prevent you from becoming too pleased too proud, too self-confident. This thorn will keep you humble, Paul. You just want it to go away, but I answer your prayer by saying no to your prayer. My grace is enough. Do you believe that? Is my grace enough for you? Or do you just want things your own way? 
Do you just want things to be easier, more convenient? That's not my way. My grace must be enough for you. It is actually all that you need. So let it be enough for you. And I propose that this paralyzing unbelief, this culture of atheism that we all feel, that we all likely encounter within our own families, at our own schools, on Facebook, in our workplaces, is just this, a thorn in our side. And we'd rather just get rid of it, right? If it was up to us, we would just snap our fingers and everyone would suddenly agree with us. No more awkwardness, no more eye rolls, no more groans. Everyone would immediately be converted and become happy, sold out, all-in Catholics. And then things would be great. It would be so much easier to believe. It'd be so much easier to send our kids off to school not worrying about what they might learn there. It'd be easier to pray at our family dinner tables without feeling embarrassed or self-conscious in any way. It would be so much easier to do the right thing if everybody else was doing it along with us. But to quote Treebeard, now don't be hasty. Because I am convinced that this thorn of unbelief is somehow part of God's providential plan for us right here in 2021. Don't be too eager to get rid of that thorn. It's probably there to teach you something, to be humble, to be patient, to love people better. Above all, it's there to teach each one of us that God's grace really is enough. And so Paul's response must become ours. I am content with weakness, he says, with insults, hardships, persecutions, and constraints. Why? For the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Are we willing to truly be weak? Are we willing to undergo that paralysis in the face of all the world's harsh and judgmental unbelief? Are we okay with being refused and rejected? Because here comes the great temptation. We really, really, really want to be accepted. We really want to be accepted. We want to feel like we are on the winning team, right? And right now, if you listen to the world, religion is losing. God is losing. The church is losing. And if we let our guard down and listen to those voices, if we stop praying, well, then we will start to believe a lie that our faith isn't all that great, that the gospel is sort of weird and awkward in itself, or that certain hard church teachings need to be kind of swept under the rug, or that our relationship with Jesus is probably best kept in the privacy of our own homes. We have to resist this lie with every fiber in our being relying on the help of God. We can't lose sight of the fact that we have been given, as Christians, the most precious good news, the dynamite of joy and peace, the pearl of greatest price. Even in the face of indifference and rejection, we need to bravely raise the flag of the gospel 
of God's freely given grace. And so I encourage you to keep awkwardly insisting on prayer before meals. Keep standing up for the truth. Keep asking questions and disrupting this culture of atheism. Keep bringing God into the conversation. Because guess what? He is already there. Whether they like it or not, our country is still one nation under God. Keep inviting your fallen away family and friends back to Mass. Keep on encouraging your children to get married in the church, to bring their kids here to be baptized, to raise them in the faith. Keep on struggling with that thorn of unbelief. Yeah, it's a nuisance. Yeah, it's annoying. But God's grace is sufficient. So get on your knees and pray for the strength and the trust to bear with all the insults, hardships, and constraints for the sake of Jesus. Because people will take offense at our faith. It's just the reality. Jesus himself said it. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll keep yours also. So when they do ignore you or take offense at you, my response is, who cares? That's part of the adventure. Either way, they will have heard the truth. Let me ask you this. Did Jesus give up after our gospel episode today? Did he give in to defeatism and despair when his own neighbors, his own family, his own relatives took offense at him? No, and neither should we. That's how God reaches souls. Always, always remember, when we are weak, then we are strong. 